So Mike, since I was unable to dump one of my LG monitors on you, <laughs> have you actually set up your PC gaming monitor with your iPad yet? I'm, I'm very curious about this setup and I need to hear from you what's going on. I'm not going to lie. I, I was a little nervous. I saw you last week and I was a little concerned that you might bring a big bag. <laughs> with you. Here you go. This is what you wanted. Listen, there's, there's, there's an LG monitor. Yeah. With my name on it. Right within arm's reach of me that I look at and I resent every day for being a disgusting piece of technology. And I, I, would, I would just love to gift it to you, Mike. Mm-hmm. I know you would. Uh, I took a trip down to Dongletown okay. to make this work because but I don't know why I thought I had a USB-C monitor. It's just something in my brain. But my monitor, because it's in PC land, it has HDMI on one side and like some friggin' VGA nonsense i don't even know what it is one of those big things with the pins on it right like we have to screw it in that's vga if you're giving a powerpoint presentation to Mm -hmm. a class you're gonna need a vga input that's just required i can't tell you why exactly that's how i have my monitor connected to my pc which is what came in the box so that's just Mm -hmm. how it's connected and i now await the feedback that will come at me for why Mm -hmm. i should or shouldn't be doing that um but as i've always said like and it's always been like a thing in the back of my mind the monitor that i have was just what i could get like for a decent price on prime like i've always wanted to change this monitor but i've yet to really sit down and like look into it um i think i have my eye on something one of the asus predator monitors or something it's called but uh, i've yet to do it it has rgb in it naturally but i have a some LG ultra wide monitor. Um, I like the ultra wide monitor, especially for game streaming, because you can have like a regular window size and then like just more windows on the side of it, right? Like you don't need to fill the complete ultra wideness. But anyway, wait, is that is it more than sixteen nine? I don't know what ultra wide is. Yeah, yeah, I don't ratios. even. I couldn't even tell you what the ratio is, but it's okay. super wide and, and like not very tall. Okay. So it's like three twenty seven, something like that. Let's just say yes. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a strange monitor, but I I actually quite liked it, the ultra wide stuff. But anyway, so I grabbed like a bunch of dongles and I connected it via HDMI via a USB-C dongle that I have to my iPad and it worked immediately, which I was surprised Mm -hmm. about. Like as soon as I plugged it in to my iPad Pro, the USB-C port, the monitor came on, picture was there, it was crystal clear, it looked fantastic. And... Just like when I used the mouse on my iPad with iPad OS 13 for the first time a few weeks ago, it felt kind of strange at first, like something was fundamentally broken in what I was doing because mm-hmm. it's not normal, but it totally works. Like it works perfectly. Um, so my main frustration is you have to leave the iPad on. Oh. You can't turn the iPad off because that just turns the screen off. And when the screen's <laughs> off, the connection's gone. Uh, okay, so when you when you lock your iPad... You're just locking the computer. You lock in the computer. You don't see anything. All it's huh. doing is mirroring, right? Unless you have an application huh. that is using the second screen API, but then you need both screens. They're then showing different things. So like there is an API to allow you to show something different um, on a monitor and then also not be pillar boxed, right? You don't have the big black bars down the side where it's showing you the iPad resolution on the monitor. If you use the second screen API, you can actually take up more of the screen real estate. You treat treat it like a real monitor. But let's get some games do this. Well, okay, I was going to say, wait a second. So, th- so this is the second screen thing. I never really thought about this, but yeah. this is like when Keynote 
displays something different mm -hmm. on the projected monitor versus what you see yeah. as the presenter. Yeah, there is an API in, huh. in iPadOS and iOS that will allow an app to do this. Like some of the mind mapping applications, for example, I think MindNode is the one that has it, will show something different on the monitor and you can be working on it and it will show you like a preview and an overview of the entire mind map or something. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I just never really thought... Of, yeah, GoodNotes does a similar thing where you can have a, a different version that's being projected out than what you're looking at again for for a teacher so you can have yep. a, a different thing that the students are seeing versus yep. what you were seeing huh i never i never really thought about that as um as a mode but i guess now it does matter that some apps can do this if you are using an external monitor mm -hmm. as a computer monitor mm -hmm. huh Huh. So there are advantages and disadvantages depending on how you want to use it, right? Because then, you know, you could in theory then just put the iPad like on a stand in front of you and then you have two screens and they're showing different things. But if you're just using it regularly, it's just going to mirror, um, which makes it like any mirroring, right? Like if you were ever, if you've ever plugged a laptop into a TV, if you close mm -hmm. the laptop, it kills the connection, right? Because the laptop's right. not on anymore unless you like hack around it a little bit, but... So, you know, the, what I would do is just turn the brightness all the way down. It's less distracting. Put the iPad in a stand or whatever and then just, just let it go. Let it do its thing. You need a, a wedding veil for the iPad. So you can, you can lift it up when you want to use the second yeah. screen. And then you can pull it down for when you don't want to see the mirrored screen because yeah. it's just distractingly pointless. Yeah, so it would be a black wedding veil. I, iPad wasn't pure on that wedding day. No. Oh, my God. Uh, I can see the benefits <laughs> of this for me from, like, an accessibility standpoint. In the same mm -hmm. way, same thing as the mouse, right? Like, it is not elegant, but it is incredibly functional. So I can have a bigger screen if I want, want it, right? So they're right. pillar box, right, which I said. Like, so pillar box is like the – it's like letterboxing. So, you know, you watch a movie and you got – like black bars at the top and the bottom. This is the same, but they're on the sides because the iPad screen is kind of the resolution more rectangular than typical screens tend to be. Right, it's not ultra-wide. It's not ultra-wide, that's for sure. Uh, so it looked kind of hilarious on the ultra-wide. It, it like just filled the middle portion of the screen and there's these massive black bars, like about the same width of the iPad on either side. But I can position it in much more flexibly I can put it wherever I want from a high perspective. I can have it further away from me if if you know if I wanted to. And if I'm going to be using a mouse a lot, which I think I am, this would totally work for me. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it more seriously now that I would that I would want to use a a nice big monitor for my iPad setup, especially the more I'm using it with a mouse. I think it just makes it makes sense really in a way. Yeah, this this seems to me like it it's just obviously your future Mm -hmm. working setup for for everything that can be done this way mm -hmm. okay here's a strange question the mouse if you have an ipad app where you you've lifted the ipad veil and so you're looking at two different screens can the mouse move between the two screens in those situations you can't interact with what's being shown on the second screen i think uh, okay, so the sec the second screen is presentation only. Yeah, right. I think it's presentation okay. only, and like things that you do on the iPad would reflect on the top screen, but I don't think it yes. treats it like because the, it couldn't, right? Because you can't touch the external display. Right. I was just what I'm what I'm trying to get thinking here is is like is there a way is there a way that you could get like a different app on that second screen? I, like I wonder yeah. if in the future. We're going to have dual monitor support for iPad OS. I think. Well, I think it is right because there's that 
project sidecar thing, right? Like I think they're building some of the blocks in place, which is where you can use your iPad as like a second display for a Mac, where you can right. take a Mac window and send it to the iPad. Mm-hmm. All of that kind of stuff feels like, all right, so that's step one. And then maybe step two is like the other way around. So mm. I can take something from my iPad and put it somewhere else, or I could have an external monitor and just use it wirelessly if I want. Like it feels like all of this technology could eventually all start to come together if it all works out. Yeah, that is a very interesting setup. But I, I think this is how you're using a computer in the future. It is probably the most Cortex setup of all time. It is incredibly hacky, uh-huh. pointless for most people, but would be really useful for people just like me and you. Mm, mm. Right? Because it's like, oh, why? Like, oh, because you want to use your iPad more in interesting and weird ways and it's ergonomically comfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? It's just like if it automatically time-tracked every time you plug the HDMI cable in, it'd be done. Yeah. I'm interested just to, I'm thinking about, again, because at some point in the future, I need to decide what my new office setup is going to look like once, you know, once I mm-hmm. find another place and everything. So I'm just, I'm quite curious into, oh, what's what's everybody doing that's different and interesting with their office setups? Well, I think what would be good for you in that situation is like some kind of adaptable and adjustable from a height perspective workstation that you could plug either your laptop or your iPad into depending on the mode that you're in. Because you only need one cable yeah. for all of it, right? And you can have a mouse and a keyboard and all that kind of stuff running into a USB-C dongle, and it will work with both the iPad or the Mac. Yeah, or, or I'm even just thinking, going back to the very early episodes of Cortex, when I showed you that setup that I had, which was just an iPad on a desk mm-hmm. with, a, with a keyboard. It's like, oh, that, that's interesting. It's interesting to revisit if I can simply get a bigger writing screen and the addition of a mouse because the the way I write is a little bit different than I, I used to back then where I'm, I'm moving around parts of a of a document more so I would want to use something like a mouse now much more than I, I would have needed to in the past uh, so it's just like it's just interesting to think of as as oh maybe this is a potential option for the way something could work maybe I could plug an iPad into that new display that Apple's selling. I wonder if it's going to work that way. It is that way. <laughs> unknown right now if it will work. I think that would be the best use but for that. But in theory, <laughs> it can. The iPad Pro can output 5K over USB-C, is something that Apple has told us. Hmm. But they have yet to release a product that can support it. or none. Like So there's been an update to your favorite OG monitor, right? I don't know if you knew hmm. that. They've, no. they've updated it. Great. I'll, I'll be sure to buy that upgrade immediately. And it has a bunch of additional features, and people seem not excited about it. But you can plug the iPad into it this time because it's USB-C and not Thunderbolt hmm. 3. But it will only output 4K. It won't output 5K. Is Apple selling those LG screens on their website? Yes. Apple have even... They create like support pages for them, too. They have <sighs> webcams in them this time, which is something I didn't have before. Yeah, well, like I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out for a cheaper version of their new monitor. Everybody is. I don't think it's coming. This is why, if if they're selling the LG monitors on their website, mm-hmm. I think that that hope is dead. That mm-hmm. it's a stake right through the heart of a cheaper monitor from Apple because they they wouldn't sell those LG things on their site if they were going to have their own cheaper monitor. In theory, though, like that Pro Display, that's still months and months away from 
from shipping. Months. Like, towards the end of the year. Maybe next year. But towards the end of the year before that thing ships. Hmm. And, and even if Apple did do their own display, it would still be more expensive than the OG display. Hmm. Okay, you're giving me a little bit of hope, Mike. You're giving me a little like, bit of I hope. don't know if I, th- if I think that they will do it. I think that they should do it. I really do. I, I think that Apple should have something that they make themselves which is better than the LG and not seventy million thousand dollars, like the right. which is the actual confirmed price uh, of the Pro Display XDR. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's with the nano screen upgrade. <laughs> yeah, that's all we really want, right? Just like mm-hmm. the matte screen for the iPad. Yeah, that, that's that's all we want. Because <laughs> you are now optimally, ergonomically comfortable using ios like this is this is the dream isn't it i have yet to work out exactly how i'm going to put all of this stuff into action so like i'm still using my ipad a lot of the time in the stand that i use but now i need to decide like all right do i actually now want to use it in a monitor and if i do i need to change some stuff in the office which is what i've been wanting to do anyway but that might mean for example all right maybe i get a good monitor and put it on an arm which i can move up and down Right. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of like and put it all on the PC desk and have that Mm -hmm. all work together. But I just haven't worked out exactly how I want that stuff to look yet. But I do now have a Mm. better understanding of the building blocks that are available to me. I have an LG monitor with an arm, you know, an an arm that you can clamp onto the desk. I can I can throw that in. I'm sure you do. Yeah. I I have no doubt that you do. But but I also want to get like the best gaming monitor or a better gaming monitor, which that, that that thing probably is not. Hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks for the offer, though. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep thinking about how I can sweeten this deal. Okay. You, you do that. It is August. August is means a special time around here at Relay FM. It's when I, we celebrate our birthday. Birthday time. Birthday time. As I mentioned a few episodes ago, special extra special one this time because we're going to be celebrating our fifth birthday, which is a nice... Nice round number that human beings attach meaning to, probably because it's half of ten. But five is just like a nice it's just like a nice chunky number of time for a company to be in existence. But what that means is it is membership time. Membership time, we, we have Relay FM memberships available all the time, and there are perks for Relay FM members, but we only really promote it during the months of August and September because we're doing special bonus episodes during that period of time. Um, as a Relay FM member, you get access to a monthly behind the scenes newsletter and Relay FM host crossover show, which are only for members, as well as beautiful desktop wallpapers of our Relay FM show artwork. And you get this wonderful bonus feed. And during August and September, there will be a bunch of wonderful, wonderful bonus episodes for some of your favorite podcasts, including the Cortex Upgrade crossover that everybody looks forward to every year where we play a text adventure. This will be our fourth text adventure now. We are playing an 80s cop-inspired adventure called Danger Town Beatdown. It's amazing. We've played it. It's done. It's ready. It's edited. We're going to actually be playing a trailer for this at the end of the show. So you'll be able to get a taste of what Danger Town Beatdown has in store for you. And you can sign up to become a Relay FM member at any time. Memberships start at just $5 a month. You can click the link in the show notes to find out more about it. Or you can just go to cortexspecial.com and you'll go to a landing page where you can see the trailer as well and just sign up right there. Uh, we're going to be releasing Danger Town Beatdown on Friday, August 16th. So you can sign up to become a member at any point 
before and you'll get it on the 16th. If you sign up anytime after, you can get that. Plus the entire history of all of the specials that, that we've ever done with Relay mm-hmm. FM. So you can go back and listen to our text adventures. You can go back and listen to a bunch of things that have come out from Relay FM shows. So there's $5 a month. You can also go to relay.fm slash membership if you want to find out more. Uh, but just check the links in the show notes and you'll be able to get that. I just listened to the final edit of Danger Town beat down Danger Town this morning beat down. while I was at the gym, you know, gym time, not a pleasant time, but you know what makes it much better listening to a text adventure. Mm-hmm. And as always, Mike puts in a, an inhuman amount of effort into creating the soundscape of the environments that we're in and editing it very nicely. So like even, even as, as the person who, participated in the recording itself and knows what happens it's great to listen to the version that mike finalizes and it's like oh now the world truly comes alive and it's, it's a really fun episode that we did this year so yes you should definitely definitely go check it out at cortexspecial.com get that member episode get all the member episodes listen to mike and i be total idiots not able to figure out the most simple of puzzles and a good time is had by all, except perhaps the eternally patient Snellatron who has to deal with us. Uh, so far, up to where we are, it has been 10 hours of editing so far. <laughs> so like the, the kind of the first draft is done. There's still a bit more to be done, uh, but it's taken 10 hours so far. But they are my favorite 10 hours I will spend editing for the entire year. I absolutely adore putting these things together. It's just like such a fun experience for me to build these like audio worlds like i really put a lot of thought into where everything is and how it's placed and it's a really fun exercise and so yeah, you can go and check that out and all of our previous ones as well and we and and if you are a relay fm member or you become a relay fm member and support this show or any show at relay fm um you you'll get all the same perks but i just want you to know that i really 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 appreciate that so thank you so much yeah thank you very much members now for the trailer oh no we're gonna play at the end do you want to play it now? oh we can play okay. it now or we play it no the end. no Make them wait until the end, Mike. Yeah, make them wait until make the end. Make them wait until the end. Okay, like, My mistake. Yeah. Okay. Should we do some hashtag Ask Cortex questions? Let's. All right. Let's start off with a question from Leafy. Leafy would like to know, uh, do you use or play with any fidget toys or gadgets while working, thinking, or writing scripts? You seem like a fidgeter, Mike. Oh, I am. Oh, boy. Like, so, I want to give you a rundown. This is stuff that I do Whoa, okay. whilst <laughs> recording. This isn't, like, I'm doing this all the time. Okay. So, right now, I have a pad in front of me and a bunch of pens. Uh, and so, I'll be sitting there and doodling. I do this the most during Cortex because we, we record for a long time and I, and I try and get rid of all distractions. So, I'll play with some pens. You remember I used to do coloring when we record Similar kind I don't of think deal. this counts as a fidget, though. I'm not this, done. This is okay. This is just part one. <laughs> okay, we're just setting. We're just setting the stage. Yes. So I okay. have various things on my desk that I will fidget with. One at the moment is like a broken piece of a pen. Okay. I have like this this part of a fountain pen that's broken in half, and I pick that up and just roll it around in my hands a lot. I don't know why. I have mm-hmm. a metal fidget spinner, mm-hmm. which I'll spin for you now, but you don't really okay. get anything from that. But like I'm spinning it now. I just dropped it, so I have okay. to edit out a lot of me dropping things. Okay, this is this is something that I have to deal with a lot. Uh, I have a Relay FM challenge coin, which is available to buy. I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. That that challenge coin is very chunky. I it's imagine chunky, if you drop coin. it, 
it's quite loud to edit out. <laughs> that is one of the louder things that I have to edit out. Um, I have a, you know, those SIM removal tools. You mean the the little like uh, paperclip kind of thing? Yeah, I have one of those with like a keyring tied to it, which is it's like one of those string keyring things, and like a little charm. You might have seen these people put them on their phones and stuff. And it's no, of the I hammer. Know, I don't know that, what this is, but yeah, it sounds exactly. disgusting. I'm, I don't know why you think that, but it, it's of the hammer that Ramona uses in Scott Pilgrim. That's okay. number one. I have a couple of badges, just like enamel badges, and I also have the fidget cube. Okay, and and this all of this stuff is just piled around you it's while just you're recording shows. Not piled; it's just lovingly placed on the desk in a semicircle. Oh, I also have a tungsten, like a tungsten cylinder. That mm. I try not to play around with because if I drop this, I would 100% break something, including myself. But that's another thing that I have on the desk. Okay. I have lots of stuff because I need to focus. <laughs> and, <laughs> and these are the things that help me focus. I guess I've always imagined you just calmly, nope. pensively Mm-mm. coloring while we're recording the show's. Just, you know, filling in the wings of a butterfly or whatever it is you do. Doodling. There's a lot of doodling. Okay. I didn't really think about it as there's a semicircle of objects around you that you're rotating between picking up and putting down Mm -hmm. for your fidgeting. Mm -hmm. And then adding out the inevitable sounds of me dropping them. Right. Whatever works for you. There's no judgment here. But there's just much more than I was expecting. There's much more than I was expecting. I'm going to guess you have nothing. Well, th- there's there's the thing that doesn't count, which is when I'm working on a script, I do find it helpful to pace. But I don't I don't think that counts as a sort of fidget. That's just it's like a helpful way to think. Mm-hmm. In, in general, no. Like I don't own anything that's specifically for fidgeting. But uh, particularly in situations where I'm talking to people, like sometimes on the podcast, but very often in, in real life. I will fidget a lot with the buttons on the phone, particularly the um, the mute switch or the silence ring switch, because flipping that back and forth gives you the happy little tactile feedback, both in terms of the switch itself and the phone vibrates slightly. And so sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I will find myself flipping that switch back and forth, back and forth. Or the thing that I have trained myself out of after Apple introduced that feature where if you press the one button five mm-hmm. times, it, it lets off the emergency and starts calling the police, which, again, I didn't quite realize how often I'm doing that while recording a podcast is just like pressing that button. But that's a habit I trained myself out of relatively quickly because, boy, is that some negative feedback yes. of press this button five times and there's a terrifying alarm. SWAT team bursts through the window. So in general... I don't, but I'm not completely free of this sort of thing. And and yeah, if I'm if I'm talking to someone, I, I think I will fidget with the buttons on the phone sometimes. But that's that's just about it. I don't feel like I need to have a dedicated rainbow of fidgeting options before me. This episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by HelloFresh, the meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step by step recipes with pre measured ingredients, so you can just cook, eat and enjoy. HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen a reality with deliciously simple recipes. They have fresh pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow six-step pictured recipe cards, 
all delivered to your door every week in a special insulated box. All HelloFresh meals come together in 30 minutes maximum, call for less than two pots and pans and require minimal cleanup. There are three plans to choose from, the classic, the veggie, and the family plan, and you can switch between them whenever your tastes or needs change. Let me tell you, quite frankly, HelloFresh helped me cook. I believe that cooking is one of the simple pleasures and joys that we can have in our lives, and I was terrible at it. I had no idea what I was doing, and I was scared of everything. And having so many of the frustrating parts or the difficult parts taken away from me, so like being able to choose from a selection of recipes so I wasn't completely overburdened by choice, having all of the ingredients pre-measured and weighed out for me meant that I didn't have to worry about getting something wrong, and having simple recipe cards that were written in a way that I can understand, it meant that I could learn kind of passively a lot of the skills that I needed that then I would be able to cook so many different things. I am a huge fan of HelloFresh. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com slash Cortex80 and enter the code Cortex80. It's just like receiving eight meals for free. Go to hellofresh.com slash Cortex80, that's Cortex80, and use the promo code Cortex80, that's Cortex80 at checkout. Our thanks to HelloFresh for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Lloyd wants to know, how often do you drop your phones? I mean, I guess we should really ask how often you drop your fidget toys. Seems All like. the time. Yeah. I drop my that phone about constantly. as much. I drop my phone so much. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what, what's happened with this specific phone, but like, I have loads of scratches on my screen. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. drop this phone more than I've dropped any other phone, but the iPhone XS Max seems to scratch more easily than any of the other iPhones that I've had. Um, but hmm. I keep my iPhone in a case all the time, even though I love how it feels without the case on, because I drop my phone every few days, at least, I'll drop it somewhere. And, and like, like sometimes, especially with the bigger phones, it's way worse. Because there's more surface area, you have more of a chance of trying to catch it. And there have been many times where like on the way down, you try and catch it, and what you actually do is hit it, and it just turns into a death spiral <laughs> as the thing is now falling and spinning as it lands. So. Right. That happens quite a lot. You accelerate it downward in your attempt. Yeah. (laughs) This is why I have more uh, scratches on my phone. But it seems like I'm not dropping it any more or any less dramatically, but this one is scratching more easily. I don't know. I feel like I drop it a normal amount, which is, you know, not not a lot. Which means you do, right? Let me, like, it happens. I totally drop it. But this this is also, I, I, I am not and never have been really precious with my electronics. I always feel like these are tools to be used. The, you know, they're not pieces of artwork to be displayed in a museum. So I, I, I don't really care about scratches on a device, on, on the laptops or on any, on any of these things. So I'm, I'm not overly precious about it. Although this morning, I think I had what was a sort of hilariously dramatic drop because while I was listening to our members episode, I happened to be using one of those stair machines that has a fake staircase that you can walk on at the gym. And I picked up the phone to make a note for you about an edit in that episode. And this day, I didn't happen to have the phone in a case. So slipperiness is Mm -hmm. multiplied by 20,000% and dropped it. And not only, of course, do I just drop it straight down, but I'm dropping it on a staircase that's moving. So at the gym, it goes clunk, 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 hits three stairs on the way down. The stairs are going up, so they give it an extra nice little smack before it falls off the back and bam, right down face first on the floor. So I was like, oh, sorry, little buddy. Normally, it's just a drop right down to the floor, but this is down on an artificial staircase, which feels like an extra indignity. 
But yeah, so I drop phones. Everybody drops phones. Did it survive that drop? Yeah. Oh, the phone was totally fine. Yeah. Good the, the phone was completely fine. The things that don't survive drops are iPads, which I'm more careful about this year. When I was on one of my vacations working on the uh, board, airline boarding video, I had my iPad Pro in my hand. It had a tremendous drop right onto marble tile mm. and hit it straight on the corner. As time is going on, I'm getting that thing where the screen starts to separate just a little bit Mm -hmm. from the edge. And so it's like, oh, well, iPad, you're not long for this world. But so the iPads are much less resistant. But the phones, phones are pretty tough. They're tougher than you give them credit for. They're like children. They can fall down and they're fine. Radical Bean asks, what do you guys use to charge your devices? Do you have cords everywhere? How do you manage the cords? Or do you use Qi charging mats? Where, Where are you with this, Mike? I I know I have shared with you my feeling about Qi charging, but I don't I don't remember if I've shared it with the Cortexans. Mm-hmm. Qi charging makes me uncomfortable. I just don't. There's oh, you right. You don't like that it gets warm. I don't like that. I, there's just something about the technology that I don't like. And the more I read about how Qi works, the less comfortable I am with it as a technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the idea of these magnets, just like spinning around or whatever, and warming up like these cords yeah, and that's not how it works at all but no okay. i know <laughs> i don't know why i said that but the idea of just these electrical there's no, cords, there's no moving parts that's the there's no moving parts or magnets but the idea of these electrical cords just giving off heat to each i don't like it i just don't like it i don't like the way that it works it makes me very uncomfortable if you place it kind of wrong things will warm up because you get all this like excess energy I, and, and I, i'm just i'm very much enjoying these descriptions of, i'm not of the I'm, way i'm not a fan of, of it the way inductive Leave charging me alone. works <laughs> i don't like it it makes me uncomfortable and so i, I just don't use Qi charging i use a couple of docks i have one on my desk and one uh, my bedside made by studio neat that's how i charge my, most of my devices typically other than that there are just cables there are cables everywhere that are like attached to the desk with various like cable management systems and there's mm. just cables everywhere yeah uh, i'm in a particularly sad place with this right now i mean aside aside from the usual i love wireless charging unlike you it, it, there's something about it that just straight up makes me happy oh I didn't have to plug in a wire. That's great. Just like when the Roomba does its vacuuming. Look at all this vacuuming I didn't need to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 10 times more pleasing. But of course, the frustration is you can't have something like a pop socket on the back of your phone. I've tried several different variants of different kind of things. I'm like trying to find the thing that can work with inductive charging. And it does not. Yeah, the, the option that they have available, which is to remove oh, the plastic part, is dumb. That is... That's worse than nothing. Mm-hmm. That's that is, you know, I ref, I refuse. I hate everything about that. That 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 is that is. Why don't you just thinking embodied? I have no I have no interest in this in the slightest. That is another reason why I'm not interested in cheese because I can't like I I, I don't even bother to do obviously more research and working out how it actually works uh, <laughs> because I know I won't be able to use a pop socket anymore. And yeah. I can't do that now because it's that's just a comfortable way for me to use my phone. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, one of my big requests for what I, iPhone XQ features mm-hmm. would be 
Chi charging goes farther. Or through the front. Like, whatever you need to do. Yeah, or through the front. There's various reasons that wouldn't work. But it's like, man, just... Look, guys, I just need like 12 millimeters. Can you get me 12 millimeters? And I'm probably fine. So I just always find myself frustrated and sort of going back and forth between the two of them. I'm doubly frustrated because currently in my home office, I have two offices worth of stuff since I closed down the glass cube. I have wires everywhere. And I just I just want to KonMari this whole office. And I haven't had a chance to do it since I got back from America. But it's like, all of this junk, all of it's got to come out, and I want to KonMari everything, only bring back the wires that I absolutely need, and try to try to eliminate as much stuff from this office as I physically can. Mm-hmm. But the one charging thing that I am very happy with is uh, I have a charger from 12 South, and it's called, uh, it's like the High Rise Duo, uh, I think is the name of it. And it's it's just all it is. It's just a little charger that combines a place to put the watch and a place to put your phone, and that's the one I'm using sort of eighty percent of the time. And it sits on my desk in the office. That's not chi, is it? That's just no. like a, you put it in a stand. No, it's not a chi charger, and I'm trying to live with it. And it does make me a little sad. I had time. one of these and did not like it. What did you not like about it? I felt like it. No matter what they said or what I tried to do, it never felt stable enough. Like it always felt hmm. like it was moving around. Doesn't it have a little suction pad on it? Hmm. Well, that's what I don't like about it. Then is that it doesn't affix itself to the desk in any way. <laughs> would you like? What you don't like about it is it doesn't have a suction pad. Well, but like a lot of things do. So the stuff that I have from uh, Studio Neat, they have these like suction pads on them. So it doesn't glue it, but it, like it just locks it down. So yes. nothing can push my phone over, or when I put it down. I don't have to like hold on to the stand. I'm not interested in doing that. Yes, and that's what yes. that was what I didn't like about the, the high rise is like it would move, and I tried to put it down. It's like well, no, I I want it to be completely solid, especially because you are now like elevating my phone above the desk. So if I knock it over, it's going to be worse, right? Like so, no, I, that that product didn't do it for me for those reasons. I can completely understand it. Um, also, the charger that I hate the most is the Apple Watch charger. So most of them like, how can I get this thing out of the way? I don't I don't want just this random wire on my desk mm. so that's that's the one that i happen to use i like it but i guess wh- whatever angle i'm picking it up from i'm able to just pull the phone out and the thing does drop off the bottom of it for me at least but maybe it's because my lightning port is wearing out who knows um but i'm, I'm generally as we all are eternally unhappy with the various charging solutions mm-hmm. and i have way too many wires in my house right now and i'm generally displeased with charging charging why do we still need to do it i'd really rather not ryan wants to know what is your favorite ipad note-taking app right now in ter- in terms of uh oh i guess i guess in terms of notes i'm assuming like handwritten stuff because uh, why else would you say ipad oh yeah okay that's that's what sort of throw me off there. right that would be my assumption yeah. yeah i was thinking i have given up and moved to notes for notes stuff there's no giving up there's no giving up apple's notes app is really good it is really good there's a few features that it's missing that i find somewhat annoying but it's very solid with syncing and just having stuff be there and i appreciate how omnivorous it is that you can you can throw almost anything at it and notes will at worst it'll create one of those funny little links where you can just click on something and then it'll take you to where you're supposed to go so it, it is pretty good um and i use that for a bunch of stuff but no i i still I love good notes. That's the one that I use for anything that's that's handwritten. That's the one that works best for me. I still wish they would add in audio recording the way Notability will do. But aside from that, that's that's still the one that I use for everything. And I really like it. And Notability is my favorite. 
I like yes. that application a lot. I don't know why this is one of the things that we have a very clear divide about and always have done, but mm. notability is the one for me. I like something that I added recently, which came into great effect when I was drawing the map for our text adventure, was it yes. can automatically recognize shapes. So I could draw a crude square, or just hold, so like when I finished the square, just hold for a second and it would just pop into a shape for me. So that was very useful. GoodNotes does do something like that as well. But yes. I'm sure it does. These applications do basically the exact same things. They tend to just have one or two things that's different. And then it's just your own preference as to which one you like the most. Yeah. Or I think uh, from talking to many people, it's often just a preference about... Because they're each using custom engines for the handwriting recognition. Yep. And so this can also just be a thing of, oh, I like the way this one does the handwriting recognition for me personally better than than the other one. But yes, that is a spoiler for the members episode that Mike did use for the first time a digital note Mm. system instead of pen and paper for the members episode. Sorry for the spoiler. I was was shocked. I was shocked at the end of the episode. Um, I am intrigued to see, because Apple have opened up their system, like that's Mm -hmm. in Apple Notes for like hand drawing, to developers now so you can just integrate it it's called pencil kit and i'm wondering if any of the developers of these applications will abandon their own engines for it oh i thought that was always the case well you'd think it's your competitive advantage right that you have your own engine but now apple will just give you all the tools if you want to use it which they didn't do before hmm. there were apis that you could use to help with the rendering from the apple pencil but now you can straight up just use the exact tool set that exists in notes in any application if it integrates it. Huh. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if developers just take that on board. I mean, I imagine it must be an enormous headache to maintain your own engine like that for the handwriting stuff. But again, if it's, like you say, part of your core advantage, it does allow you to do more stuff. But as a good comparison, our friend Marco, who does Overcast, like he he does all of the audio stuff. He, he's not using Apple's built-in things and that allows him to do very different things than other podcast players can do he's building on top of that in some some interesting ways he's not just using what they give yeah yeah uh, i'll be curious to see what happens yeah i just i'd always thought that they could use the the handwriting stuff but i guess not there's like there was like a part of it that you could use but it the, mm. you still had to build your own tools like it was the recognition you could you could take advantage of i think i'll have to test out how the handwriting stuff works in Apple Notes then and see how I feel about that. It's very good. Like the latency is unbelievable now. Hmm. It's it's funny that there's one of those features that uh, I remember they promoted at WWDC a few years ago, which is the hold your pencil against the screen and you can start writing a note immediately thing. Yeah, I never used that. And and, uh, it's it's funny because I think about that too. It's like that seems like a feature that I should use all the time Mm -hmm. and it never occurs to me to use that. I just, I, I never do. Even though that seems like it would be the world's most useful thing. And I remember thinking, that's amazing when I saw it demoed. And I've probably used it three or four times just to try it out. And it just never never occurs to me to do. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Away. You know Away. They're the company that creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. And it all started with their perfect suitcase. Their original suitcase, which they did send me and I quite like, is a lightweight durable suitcase that's made to last for a lifetime of travel. And when Away sends you your suitcase, they're so confident in that that they have a 100-day trial that lets you take their suitcase with you on the road 
for 100 days to try it out to make sure that you absolutely love it, which you will. They are very confident you are going to like that suitcase. And what makes the Away so great? Well, number one for me on a suitcase is it must have four 360-degree spinner wheels. This is the only way to travel through an airport, sliding friction-free across those floors. Now, for any traveler, especially a long-term traveler, laundry is something that you just have to deal with, and keeping it separate from your clean clothes is vital. And the Away suitcase comes with a removable laundry bag to do just that. They have a compression pad, which helps you get more in the suitcase. And if you're checking your bag, it also has that TSA-approved combination lock to keep your belongings safe flying through America. How could you possibly say no to all that? Visit awaytravel.com slash Cortex2019 and use promo code Cortex2019 to get $20 off a suitcase. Again, you can try this suitcase for 100 days and travel with it. So you have no reason not to give it a shot. Plus, it comes with free shipping to the US, Europe, and Australia. Once again, that's awaytravel.com slash Cortex2019 and use promo code Cortex 2019 to get $20 off a suitcase. Thanks so much to Away for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. This may be a bigger conversation, but Mo wants to know, is Gray ever going to come back to Twitter? What is it? What is it? It's August now. Is yeah. that right? I guess it's almost a year yeah. that I've been away because I, I went away in September. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Away. I, I went to the away. <laughs> like it sounds like a place. In a way, it was like, I went, you know, away, like wink, wink. It does feel like going away. It's like, oh, there's all these people in this room talking. I'm going to step outside for a little while, guys. And I'll, I'll be back in two weeks, maybe three months. Oh, actually, now it's almost a year. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's why it feels like, oh, yes, you have stepped outside from the conversation that's going on. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't feel any pressing need to come back to Twitter. I think this is a little bit like so many of the of the things in our lives that have any kind of urgency, where the, the human brain conflates urgency with importance uh, or novelty with importance. And when you step away from that for a little while, you have a, a clearer view of, oh, none of this is important. For example, following the news on a daily basis, you're like, wait a minute, it feels important because it's urgent. But it isn't if you step back for a while and you go, oh, the the bigger picture, the daily stuff doesn't matter. So I kind of feel that way about Twitter. I'm just like, oh, having stepped back from a while, I don't I don't feel like the being there is is super important. The one thing I, I have thought of a number of times over the course of this last year is times in which it would be useful to use Twitter. and And most of that is the ability to ask an audience a question mm-hmm. or or to help with something um like like there's an example uh, that just happened recently where i thought oh if i was on twitter i would love to just ask everyone for an example of times a certain kind of thing happens in a movie and so i could say like oh i'm thinking about in movies when they do x where have you seen this in movies? And Twitter is like the perfect venue for asking that kind of question because you'll just get a bunch of people replying of like, oh yeah, in this movie that happens at, at 12 minutes in. So I think at some point I would like to be able to use Twitter for that kind of stuff again. 
because otherwise it feels like this is a this is a tool that is being pointlessly dormant but yeah i don't have a i don't have an urgent need to get back to twitter anytime anytime soon but like <laughs> your ability to use it for those types of things you can start doing that anytime that you want yeah even in a case of like using it again as a promotional tool for the videos the podcasts the, and the various other endeavors that you have going on yeah there's no reason now to not do that if you feel like you have a better sense of how you would want to use it recreationally which is not yeah i i, I totally know that i understand that Nothing's actually preventing me from coming mm-hmm. back. I'm happy to sit on it for a while longer, okay, and and not not move forward with that. Like it's just, I don't know. It, it's it's like with many things, it, it's just sort of easier to say, "Oh, I'm not doing this thing at all," mm-hmm. than than it is to just sort of slide back. So uh, that that's that's why I keep saying like I don't have yeah. an urgent reason to come back is because the, the times where I have thought oh it would be useful to have Twitter for X none of those thoughts have been oh I need Twitter mm. to do X. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I've been like oh it's slightly inconvenient that I can't do this thing but it's totally fine so whatever. I'm just going to keep this project going for a while longer, you know, for some indefinite period of time. The, I mean the answer to the question is I assume that I will come back at some point yeah but i think the audience can expect that my presence there when i do come back will be dramatically decreased that uh, would be would be my expectation and it would be it would be much more tool use yeah than casual use yeah it's not a thing that i, I feel like oh you know what i need more of in my life is more of this so uh-huh. it, i think it's become more of a, a work tool does this count for everything that was related to that like yeah, I think all so. Internet stuff like Reddit. Yeah, and I don't know what other places you'd really consider. Yeah, it was it was sort of social media, podcasts, Reddit, Hacker yep. News, like all of that stuff was kind of lumped together in in one big bunch. So I don't know. I I feel that way about a lot of this this stuff is is a similar kind of thing. Yeah, like the only thing I really miss, as I've, I mentioned in a Q and A video, is I miss the kind of memeiness of the internet. You know, the internet can be hilarious in a way that that nothing else can be sometimes, but yeah, there's there's no urgency. I mean, Mike, do you think you're you're out there in the wild west of the internet? Do you think I'm missing anything important here? Um, no, but I <laughs> for, great for you. Perfect. No, I, I but Perfect. I do think I I do think you are missing out on some ways to promote the work that you're doing, and I know that you are mostly okay with where where everything is. Mm-hmm. But they are valid tools, and yeah. you saw use in them before. Mm-hmm. But now you're not doing that, and I think that it would be worthwhile to reinvestigate that part again. Yeah, that that's the that's the part that's the like the clearest win. That was the reason to start in the first place, and there is validity in it. Yeah, well, it, it also just, it made me think of back in ye olden days of when I started to use Twitter. A lot of it was much more, oh, asking the audience for help kind of stuff. And then it, it turns into, 
hey, I've just made a new thing. Mm -hmm. You can see it here. And I think that like, oh, that initial use is also the like the clearest win for a use case. So I, I can I can see going back to that in the future. And I, and I do agree. It's like, oh, it would make more sense to be promoting my own stuff over the last year using Twitter. But I'm still of the opinion that those kind of promotions matter much less than people think they do. And and so yes, it is it is missing out, but it it's not critically missing out on on a promotion. No, I agree with that. It's not massively important. It doesn't necessarily make or break something, but there yeah. there is benefit in it. Yeah, there is benefit in it, but I'm just I'm just not sure. The, like the, the number of places where there is potential benefit to promote your thing is very very large, and uh, I, I just don't I don't think it makes a critical difference but i don't know I, c- I could see doing something like even having my my twitter account like retweet the blog's twitter account to just be like oh here's when something new has gone up like that's a that's a possible thing to do in the future but you say i'm not missing anything so that's good enough for me mike it's i think it's different for you than it is for most people and for other people you know like i think that there is like a sliding scale of how important things are like for me t- things are a little bit more important depending on what it is for you but i've actually started changing some of my stuff around to to stop that reliance um on social media what do you mean i am back on rss and have been for about six oh. weeks okay how's that going that's very sweet i'm it's actually going pretty well okay. because it went in conjunction with me reading twitter less okay so for a while, for a long while, I've moved over to the official Twitter app, which was in part me trying to make my Twitter experience worse in some ways. Okay, yeah, the the official app will do that for sure. But it also makes it better in other ways. I genuinely think if you are somebody who is looking to reduce the amount of time you spend on Twitter, using the official app is the way to do it. Because what the official app has that none of the other apps have is the algorithm. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go onto Twitter, I am log into what they call the home tab, which is where things are algorithmically sorted. So in theory, I should always be seeing the things that are most important for me at any time. Mm-hmm. So that way I don't need to read everything and I don't need to check in as often. And that has kind of bore itself out to become a thing that I'm doing. I read Twitter less. When I do, I don't read as much and I don't pay as attention as much as I used to. I read it much more mindlessly now than I used to, which is actually a better thing for me. I'm not Mm -hmm. looking for things as much. I kind of just scroll through and see if anything catches my attention, which Mm -hmm. I find to just be a better way for me to live. And the way that I deal with what I used to is like, well, I read Twitter as my news source to be able to get the things I need to talk about on my shows. And I just Mm -hmm. have a small RSS list that I check a couple of times a day. Um, And I'm actually finding that this is a better thing for me because I catch things that I may have otherwise missed anyway. Um, Because that is like a source of stuff that just sits there and it builds up, which on Twitter is like a much harder thing to deal with, like to go through the backlog, because as well as all the links, you have all of the opinions about all of the other things that are constantly happening always. Um, And RSS doesn't, it it can't get messed up like that, really, if you keep the mm. subscription list smaller. It's, it's not being intermingled with anything else. Like It's just the stuff that you, in theory, want to see or stuff that you're not interested in, but it's still within the realm of what you were expecting. And mm. every time you open Twitter, it's completely unexpected what is going to be there because it could be anything right. about anything. So I am tweeting less and like just 
myself. I still reply, like that's the main thing that I use Twitter for now. It's like, what are people saying to me? What kind of feedback are they giving me? You know, what, I, what does the world want from me? That continues to be my main use case of it. Um, but that's what I want it for. Like I want right. to get feedback and I want to know what people are interested in. Like what do they want to hear me talk about? What do they like? What do they not like? And so I can continue to get that whenever I need it or whenever I want it, but I am checking my timeline less. I'm relying on it less. And mm. I can see it in my screen time numbers. Like Twitter is, is going down. The hours mm. are going down. The pickups are going down. Like it's it's changing. And Instagram isn't replacing them? Instagram is going up, but this is choice though. This was my choice, okay. right? Like Insta- I'm spending more time on Instagram and it is the app that I open more because Instagram makes me feel good all the time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Better than any other social network. I get a good feeling from it. That's how it's been for a long time. And I enjoy that. Like these days, if I meet somebody, I am more likely to follow them on Instagram than anywhere else. Like I meet a new person that I'm interested in. Or there's like, I, I want to follow a individual whose work that I enjoy. I go to Instagram mm-hmm. because I actually care about the people in their lives. And the people are more willing to share things that are happening to them on Instagram and on Twitter they share things that are not them right it's like Hmm. here is this thing that happened and my opinion about it or here is this thing that I'm upset about but it's not about them it's about other things that's an interesting distinction and I tend to care about the people themselves and what they are doing and what they like and people share that stuff visually when they have text they just share their opinions and I want less opinions and more people in hmm. the content that I consume, like on social media. So that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. And um, I'm pretty happy with the way that things are going. And I want to keep pushing that trend of decreasing Twitter and increasing RSS and Instagram. Like, I don't want to leave Twitter. I'm not like in that mode that I feel like it's become a bit of a trend of like, Twitter's a garbage place. It's full of terrible people. We must leave. Like, that's not what I'm doing. It's just, I Mm want to reduce my own personal reliance on that service and Mm -hmm. funnel the energy into other places. But I still love Twitter for what I've always loved it for. But I need, I want to need less of my timeline and Mm -hmm. put that energy into other avenues. Hmm. Well, it seems like it's working out well for you then. I'm actually pretty happy with it because it was like some purposeful decisions and some accidental decisions, but it's all leveling towards something. that It wasn't like an official theme, but it was something that I had in my mind for a while. Right. And I spoke about it on the show, right? Like I have an Apple Note. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I had an Apple Note that is titled The Rules of Engagement. Mm-hmm. And it's got a bunch of things that I wanted to do with social media and like do's and don'ts and stuff like that. And Hmm. I've been adding to it a little bit over time, but I pinned it. It's one of the only pinned notes that I have. So I see the title a lot whenever I open Apple notes to remind me that like you are supposed to be thinking about changing the way that you use social media. And I think that it's been helpful to have that reminder. Like, like imagine if I wrote, rules of engagement on a post-it note and put it on my computer monitor right it's it's kind of had that that effect on me yeah that that's interesting uh it's interesting that you write it down explicitly because uh everyone who has any kind of professional 
appearance on the internet as a public person. You you have to learn and sort out what your own rules of engagement are. There are a few things that I have in, in my head about like, oh, internet rules of engagement, like try to stick to these things. But I've never written them down explicitly. And it's interesting that you've not only written them down explicitly, but you also have it at the at the top. So it's uh, it's brought to your mind more frequently. Yeah. They're not all in there. Like there are a bunch of headings that should have bullet points in them that don't. But, you know, it it, it was more like I had an inter- a few interactions over the space of a couple of days months ago, and they were interactions that I was unhappy with. And so it made me realize that I needed to change the way that I was using some of this stuff. And mm-hmm. so I just sat, spent some time thinking about it, and I think I've come out of it in a much better position than I did before. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that. Next up from All the Pretty Colors, how important is an awesome name for your motivation <laughs> on a project? It doesn't need to be awesome, but it needs to be fitting. I think that that's the way I think about code names for projects they need to fit they don't necessarily need to be awesome you could have awesome fatigue if you have too many projects with awesome code names i don't not really a project name person hmm i i like the, the way that you do that right that you you have like a project and, and you'll give it a name right like project golem or whatever like i like those names yeah. they're, they're fun so my co-founder Stephen, whenever we have a big project that we're working on together, he he likes to do this. So like he he likes the way that you do this. So he comes up with with names for these like work projects and stuff. But I don't really work like that. Like the way that I use projects in my to do system, they are they are kind of non flexible. Like if I was coming up with something new, it would most likely be put into a existing project that I already have. What I like with names is like the kind of thing that I just mentioned, right? They're like, it's theme based. So like, I like mm-hmm. good names for themes. So something like the rules of engagement, I was pretty, yes, pretty happy yes. with that name and I like it and it's stuck in my head. It's a great name for that. Thank you. Like my yearly theme names, right? Like I, I've already worked out a couple of themes for next year and I have some interesting names for them, but I also like my 2019 names, stabilization and diversification. Like I like them. Mm-hmm. I like the way that they are solely. I like the way that they interplay. Um, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff so I like giving names to stuff and but I just don't my brain doesn't work on these like I'm doing this project for this amount of time and I'm going to give it a name like, it's, it's not really how I organize my system it's like you know mm-hmm. like mine are like sponsors preparation editing yeah personal like Cortex right those are my project names I don't come up with these like short names for projects I'm more likely to create a to-do and list some stuff underneath it and it be uh, pretty factual about what it is that I'm doing as opposed to coming up with something fun. Yeah, I think that I think the thing about a code name is they tend to be more useful for long-term projects that also have the possibility of changing scope or direction. So I think about like that's why I tend to give all of the video projects code names mm-hmm. because it is not it is not unusual that by the time we get to the end of a thing, it, the it idea would never of what have been it is called what it was originally yes. called. Yeah, so that's why I don't put titles yep. because I also don't want to get stuck on a title as like oh this has to be the name for the thing, and it allows some continuity for thinking about the project that is separate from the the goals at any particular moment of that 
project. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think maybe maybe that's also partly the the difference is like I'll have something that lives in my system maybe. Uh, you know, like like with Project Ursus, uh, for two years before it finally becomes driving a Tesla across the loneliest road. Like th- like then it that makes sense to have it exist as this as this thing. I think my work just doesn't really lend itself to this in the same way. You have more ongoing things. Everything yeah. is constant always, right? Like I don't have things that <laughs> Oops. I don't... Oh god, that sounds so brutal. Everything is constant. I don't always. have things that like they're going to come to an end very much. Yes, yes. Right? Like so there kind of isn't it it doesn't make sense to, to me to come up with this name in that way. And I also yeah. haven't got I've I very rarely especially over the last couple of years, have had anything new that I was working mm-hmm. on by design. So I haven't, you know, like I could imagine giving something like this and uh, like a code name as it's being conceived before it becomes the thing that it is and then is ongoing, right? Like projects that I work on, they are like, oh, okay, I'm doing all the setup work for something and then mm-hmm. it's the thing that continues, right? Because that's just the nature of, of my work. Right, where it's it's yeah. not like with your work, it's like the the overall thing continues as I'm making videos, but that video project ends and then you move on to a completely different thing. And I, I don't really my work doesn't really format itself in that way. Yeah, code names lend themselves to launches mm-hmm. and it just so happens that my YouTube channel, the videos have nothing to do with each other and so they can be treated like individual. Yeah, things. they're all like these own these like standalone little Projects. Yeah. Where, right? Whereas I would think you were crazy if you wanted to codename each episode of Cortex. It's like, this is not, right? Yes, each episode it already, launches. Well, it already has a code name. The code name <laughs> is the number, right? Like, that's the number. Because we don't ever, right. you know, and then we come up with a title, right? Afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be crazy if I just came up with like a, an inventive, and they wouldn't be inventive by the end of it, code name for every episode. Like, it would make no sense. Yeah. But so anyone out there who's thinking about code names for the projects, if, if if this pulls on your mind at all, I would just I would just run with it and be like, yeah, let me give my projects code names, because it can just having a fun code name or a code name that feels like, oh, this is very fitting to the theme of of the project. It's just something that helps move the work along a little bit. Can the code name affect your feelings towards a project? It wouldn't for me. Okay, uh, I, I I could imagine that it it could for people. Um, like Project Golem, my aborted, but perhaps Phoenix-like project at some point. Uh, like that, I don't have bad feelings about that because it didn't work out. And I know it sounds scary to you, Mike, but the important thing about a project name is that it's very fitting. And say, say word ever to be revealed, it should be satisfying to the listener of, oh, that's why it was named this thing. Like it should, it should feel like it should fit. But so I, I don't feel that way. But then... If if you do, that also just helps you contain the feelings to whatever that thing is. It's like, oh, that was that was the dark time on Project Whatever. That was Project Longhorn, and it didn't turn out the way we hoped. And <laughs> now that whole thing is just gone, right? Like you can just you can quarantine it. Oh, Longhorn! I, I'm I'm still resented that we never got that big clock. 
Today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker, quality eyewear at a fraction of the usual price. Warby Parker was founded by four friends of a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Warby Parker makes sure that glasses do not cost more than your smartphone. They allow you to buy your glasses online and they make it super easy with their free home try-on program. You can order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days with no obligation to buy. Shipping is free and includes a prepaid return shipping label as well. Go to warbyparker.com slash cortex and you can order your free home try-ons today. Warby Parker glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses that all have anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. You can also get blue light filtering lenses now. This is something that Warby Parker's doing, so you don't have to worry about blue light from your screens disturbing your sleep, if that's something that's important to you. Home try-on is amazing. Being able to have some frames sent to your home, you select the ones that you're interested in. You can then try them on. You can try them on with different clothes, and you can show your friends and family. You can take pictures, post them on social media. So easy that you can get the opinions of the people that you care about before you make that all-important decision. I have been wearing Warby Parker frames for months now. I am a huge fan of the frames that I have. I'd been searching for a long time to get some that looked the way that these do, and I couldn't find anything that I was happy with. Warby Parker made it so easy, and then I ended up with the frames that I love at the end of it. Let me tell you something awesome as well. If you have an iPhone 10, one of the iPhones with Face ID, the Warby Parker app has this super cool virtual try-on technology, which allows you to try on glasses, seeing the realistic color, texture, and size of each style using just your phone. It is wonderful, amazing AR stuff. Some of the coolest that I've seen. Because you listen to this show, you can go to warbyparker.com slash cortex and order a free home try-on kit right now. It is time to upgrade your glasses experience. Go to warbyparker.com slash cortex to order your free home try-on kit today. Our thanks to Warby Parker for their support of this show and Relay FM. Waver wants to know, what are your favorite fiction books, series, or authors? I don't have any. What? Is that a joke? <laughs> no. That's not what a, that's about the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, and see that this is this is the thing. Everybody goes, "Oh, you must totally love Lord of the Rings." Did did you not make two videos? And you on constantly it? make references to it that I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, but you know, references are are just fun, right? That's you know, that's that's a different thing. Also, I don't think I constantly make references to it. They occasionally come up. Well, it's one of those things where it feels constant to me because people point out the things that I miss all the time. You know, like you say a uh, thing and okay. it's like, oh, Mike right. missed the Lord of the right. Rings reference again. Right, because everyone everyone also knows that if you don't acknowledge the reference, you cannot possibly have caught it on a podcast. But if it, but no, but the thing is though, if it is a Lord of the Rings one, I one hundred percent did not get it. Right? I, I maybe I, maybe there's a couple of them like that shall not pass or whatever. I get that one, right. uh, yeah. and it's my precious and all that nonsense. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but also listeners. Sometimes you're recording a podcast. The important thing is flow and and stopping the other person to be like, ah, that's Star Trek. There right, it that, is. That, right. Gotcha. No, that's no good. You you can do that in real life conversations. You can't do that in podcast conversations. So just because someone doesn't acknowledge a reference, you what you should what you should feel, listener, is the satisfaction of knowing I know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I know that's Microsoft. Right. And 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 you can have that as a as a little little precious gem that that you can hold and feel mm-hmm. happy about you don't have to tell the host oh you missed the thing i know all about it right that's not that's not a necessary component of this i can't tell you anyway 
<laughs> right. <laughs> but so no, I I have I have no favorite fiction book series or authors, none whatsoever. Why is that? It's, it sounds like something you're very sh- strong about. It's not well. It, the the reason it's strong is it's also it's partly a frustration. Like I I kind of wish that I did, but I. Like I have a very hard time getting into fiction books in particular. Like I just it's a very high barrier of entry. So I'm I'm envious of of people who are who are like, "Oh, I love the Wheel of Time series. It's my favorite ever." And there's 20,000 pages of written material in this and it's just great. And I'm always a new book comes out and I'm always really happy about it. And I just like I don't have one of those things. Yeah, like like I I've been reading through the Expanse series lately. I don't know. I'm on book four or maybe five, and I'm reading it. And it's like it's fine, you know, it's fine. But but I, I so I, I my frustration is like I actually kind of wish that I had this. Whereas um, the author that I've read the most of. Uh, without a doubt, has to be Stephen King. Like he, he, I've read the most number of his books, but I also think his books are. We could say that the quality variance is quite high. Hmm. Uh, you know, sorry, Mr. King, if you're listening. Some of the books are not very. Guarantee good. Guarantee you, that he is not. <laughs> yeah. But if he is, yeah. Sorry, Stephen. Some of the books are amazing, but so I, I can't. I can't say that he's like a favorite author of mine. Because it, it more comes down to, oh, I really like The Stand. Uh, and like, oh, I didn't like Cujo at all. Right? Like, so it's, I don't know. I feel like it would make it much easier if I could just have an author where it's like, oh, I love everything that this person produces. But I, I don't. I, I, tend to, I tend to be much more individualistic about the books. I mean, you sound surprised. You must have a favorite author or series. I mean, oh, but you don't read. I don't even know why I'm asking you. Yes. You don't. So I have a kind of. You're not literate. <laughs> I have a kind of answer. <laughs> but it's it's not necessarily what people would want. But my favorite series of all time is the Scott Pilgrim comic book series. Oh, that totally counts. That counts. Yeah. I, that's, that's, I think this is the closest thing I can get to counting. I absolutely love it. It was one of those things that came to me at just the right time and changed the course of my life a little bit because it just kind of helped me realize a little bit about who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where like when you love something so much, you notice it in your own life in places, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. things that have happened to me. I'm like, oh, that's just like Scott Pilgrim and I remember them more because it's like this fun thing for me. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this. I love it so much. And they just released the soft cover color version of Scott Pilgrim. So it originally came out in just black and white. Mm-hmm. They then released digital versions which are colorized, hardback versions which are colorized, and paperback versions which are colorized. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend if you are going to read Scott Pilgrim, you read one of the colored versions, not the original black and white. Really? Because hmm. there are a couple of characters that are drawn quite similarly. And in the original, it is very easy to get them confused. And that will mess up the story a little bit for you. Okay. And it did for me on my first run through. I completely misunderstood a huge part of the story because I got some of the characters mixed up mm. so the colorized version is a better plus the, the, the coloring is wonderful it looks wonderful and then it, it elevates the book i'm not a purist 
like that. Uh, yeah, I, I just sort of assumed. I, I know that these these are important to you, so I just presumed that you must be a purist about them. No, I'm not. I'm not one of those kinds of people. Like that that stuff doesn't 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 bother me if if it's done right if it, i mean it was done by the original artist right like ah okay that makes it a big difference that makes yes, a big and, difference and worked with the people who put the coloring on right like it was it this is not something that like the publisher just did right mm-hmm. like the, the 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 brian leo malley who created the book was involved in that because he wasn't a colorist he did the, the original illustration but that wasn't his thing, so he didn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. So there are six books. The most recent release, they've actually combined it into three books. They've like put the books together. Um, mm-hmm. I thoroughly recommend it. I'm going to reread it now because I've, I've really been looking forward to rereading it, and I've been waiting for these new soft covers to come. So that is my favorite fiction book series of all time. I love it. Absolutely love it. I was just trying to even th- think about, like with nonfiction books, about do I have any kind of favorite author or even trying to think of who's the Stephen King for me of nonfiction books. And I just can't, I can't come up with any author mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, this, this person, I, I routinely read all of their stuff. Um, so I don't know. It's, it is a, it is a continual frustration for me, but I will take this moment to ask the listeners. If you have any good book recommendations, particularly Nonfiction book recommendations. Leave them in the Reddit. I'll have my assistant pass on things that look interesting. <laughs> I wondered how this was going to resolve itself, but there you go. Yeah. That, that will work. Part of the reason why I think you can hear, like I sound sort of frustrated, is to go back to our, our discussing the gym last time and our deep un- unhappiness about it. I, I have been trying to uh, pair listening to audiobooks with going to the gym, which is something I normally don't do. But it it has also led to this thing of, of really burning through the, my list of where I've written down books that, have, that people have recommended to me, and also has made me much more aware of how shockingly picky I am about books that I want to listen to like the, like the number of the number of books I, I particularly nonfiction books where I give them a try and I'm like, I don't know, 10 paragraphs in and I'm like, nope, not for me. Like this is not going to happen, book. Uh, so I, I, I feel extra desperate for recommendations from people for books. Have you considered fiction podcasts? I will recommend the Adventure Zone. It's one of my favorite stories ever put together. There's a lot of it. <sighs> well, I mean, you know, my podcasts are off off my list at the at the moment. I'm not against them in principle right but they but no but like i i feel like you are avoiding a certain type of podcast like you were avoiding information right okay. like and that's how it always felt to me yeah uh, that's fair that's fair if it's a fictional show it's just like an audiobook in in theory in theory mm. i understand that there is a lot of variance but if the story is good and the presentation is good couldn't that work i feel like this is the thin end of the wedge that you're trying to shove in here to break open this door that I've had closed for a year. Your not your number, <laughs> you are not affecting me, right? Like you not listening to podcasts. I'm merely attempting to provide you with an answer. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I wouldn't be opposed to it in principle. Uh, again, especially because I grew up with radio dramas as as a genre. Listen to the Adventure Zone. Just try it. Get, hmm. I mean, you've give. It's one of those things where, like, I know you're gonna hate this, but like. 
you got to go for a good, like, maybe four or five episodes for them to really find their stride. No, no. I, yeah, When people recommend that kind of, especially with fiction, some, if someone says, you've got to give this thing a go for a certain length of time with fiction, I, I completely understand that. And I, I'm, I'm always in the position of, it's, you know, it's a TV show, but I'm always in the position of when I recommend The Wire, in the very tough sell of, okay, look, I'm going to recommend The Wire, but you have to give it a season and a half before you decide. Right, that's good then, because what <laughs> I'm going to tell you is... very hard sell. <laughs> the Adventure Zone is broken up into effectively seasons. You have to go about a season and a half before you uh, make your final now decision. Now you've got me, Mike. <laughs> right? We go, go about a season and a half once they finish kind of the first part of the campaign and move into the second. And if you're not hooked by then, then you, I don't know if you will be. But okay. like that's when it goes from they were playing a campaign to, oh, now they're making their own complete story from scratch. Um, okay, well. and, and then it's like you're on that train at that point if you like it. But my thing about The Wire is it's not just that. It's You also have to watch the first episode like three times because the first two times you don't understand a word that anybody's saying about anything and you don't know who anybody is and no one will explain anything to you. So watch the first episode three times and then the whole first season of The Wire before you make a decision on it. Right, yes. But then but then my other thing is, is like, oh, yes, yeah, so the next season comes around and listen, you're going to be upset. Everybody is, but you got to give it another half. You got to give another half season and then you're in. Then then you'll be like everyone what else a, and say like, it's your favorite show. It's <laughs> wild, right? That like, how can a TV show be so like so critically acclaimed, so recommended, but they are the that, that's the caveats that need to go with it. Oh, and also yeah. don't watch the final season. No, I, I'll just I'll disagree with don't watch the last one, but I know I'm in like the, the last I, one. I know I'm in a minority on, on that one. Uh, like I'll, I'll, my my caveat is everything that takes place inside a school you can skip. <laughs> there are three Godfather movies. Don't watch the last one. The first one and the second one are two of the best movies ever made. Don't watch the third. Yeah, but this is this is this is the way recommendations start going crazy. Okay, so listen, we've gone we've gone way off track here. Listen, people, all I'm asking for nonfiction books, please, please, I'm begging you. Give me some recommendations. What do you think is good? Wait, nonfiction or fiction? I want nonfiction in particular. Okay. That's what that's what I'm I'm looking for. Fiction stuff, whatever. I just always know that I have a hard time. But it's the nonfiction stuff that's great. And here's here's the other thing. This is okay. So listeners, you probably you're probably thinking, oh, I know a book that Gray would totally love. But what I'm what I'm looking for is books that are outside the realm of the things that you know about me right so it's like oh i know i have a i have a book on voting systems great would totally love it no i don't want that recommendation like i'm looking for things that you think are interesting that i might not have come across and so like don't think about the type of book that we would do on the cortex book club these are not for that oh for the love of god no no i don't want to i don't want to hear a single business book recommendation so these are non-fiction books about things that people have read that they found interesting that have nothing to do with what people would normally think you'd enjoy yeah, like I'm look, I'm just right. looking for what is interesting in the world. And mm-hmm. it is surpri- like the world Mike, the world is is mostly a desert and there's only tiny pools of interestingness for us to find as humans. See you next time. <laughs> Don't forget the trailer. <laughs> It's 1987, and Detective Jack Slade and his partner Jetta Chang must take down a crime boss and restore law and order. This is Danger Town Beatdown. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Rated mature 16 plus.
You're Roused from Sleep by Neon Light streaming in through your window. It's 11.58 p.m. Time to start your day. Get coffee should be the, should be the first thing to do. Should we see what's on the answering machine? A voice says, Slade, you're going to pay for shutting down our operation. We have your partner. Bring us the tape. Come alone. Uh-oh. Open up. Let's talk. The man kicks down the door and enters, blocking the exit. We did that thing again where we took too long. He places an envelope on the table. Consider this in advance to cover gas and tolls. Oh, I'm slightly confused. We're trying to be paid off. They want us out of town. Oh, Somebody does. I'm so naive. I didn't know. I didn't realize what was going on in this arrangement. The badge is a Santa Marina police detective's badge. Your badge. The gun is a loaded Beretta 92S. Your gun. You're outside a rundown apartment building. There is a strip club here. How quaint. Just like a Norman Rockwell painting. There's a bright neon sign and the words, Tiger's Den. Well, uh, let's go to the strip club. See, that's some good detective work there, Mike. You have to inspect the strip club. Mm-hmm. All right, Back take a wallet. look at the wallet. Yeah, It contains a $100 bill and a California driver's license. Can we take that $100, Mike? No. That's not the bribe money. We don't need the money. Can we take the guy's ID? That seems like it might be useful. It doesn't really feel like stealing. That, that feels like evidence. Yeah, evidence. <laughs> you know, it would be evidence of bribery. The bribery money itself? <laughs> yeah. That's not how that works, I don't think. Some gang members loiter outside an arcade. Gang members, okay. I think they have little hello, I'm in a gang stickers on them, something to identify them as a gang member. Yeah, I mean, how else would you know, right? Yeah, they're color coordinated. That's how you know. Mm. They're all wearing pink. And mm-hmm. that's how you know they're in the gang. Wave to gang members. They toss their cigarettes and head inside when they see you. Oh. Are you trying to figure out how to ask him if he's amenable to a bribe, Mike? Is that what you're doing in this moment? I'm trying to figure out if there's anything we can do other than bribe him. Ask O'Brien, can we take care of this in Fargo? <laughs> I don't understand that. I thought that was like the code. I have no idea how you've gone from not understanding the concept of a bribe to rolling out what phrases like that. Why is this so hard? I don't understand. <laughs> Look around the room. Bosti draws a Smith & Wesson 38 special, shoots you dead and escapes. The end. Now I know after hearing that, you're going to want to become a Relay FM member, so click the link in the show notes or go to cortexspecial.com, sign up, and look out for the member special publishing on Friday, August 16th.